Saint Mark Ji Teng Zhuang, uh, China man uh, from China, Chinese citizen. He was a saint, Catholic saint, died in the year 1900. He's most famous because he was an opioid addict up until the day that he was martyred. So he never was able to break free of his addiction. For 30 years, his parish priest refused to allow him to receive any sacraments because of this addiction that he had. He's seen this as a grave sin, as a mortal sin. And so he refused to allow him to have any sacraments, go to confession, receive communion, none of these things. So he eventually was martyred. Uh, he was beheaded along with others from his family. He begged the authorities who were trying to persuade him to renounce Christ. He, he begged them to allow him to, to stay alive, to be the last of his family, to be killed, so that he could encourage those others to stay strong in the faith. He was declared a blessed by uh, Pope Pius XII in 1946, and he was canonized as a saint of the church by John Paul II in the year 2000. This man, who was never able to break free of his opioid addiction, although before he died, the priest finally did relent and gave him the sacraments. I bring this up as kind of a backdrop to our gospel today and to answer this question about who can be admitted to Holy Communion. Can a person who is seen by people around him, by outsiders, to be in the state of grave sin, can this person receive Holy Communion? You know, our Lord in this parable, he was, you know, gave this story about these two sons who the father asked to go work in his vineyard. The first said, no, he wouldn't. No, uh, was very disrespectful toward his father. But then eventually he changed his mind and he went and he worked in the vineyard. He didn't have his, his stuff together, but he kind of went and, went and did it. He didn't go back and apologize to his father, didn't make things right. He just, he just went and, and did the work. Then this other son who said, yeah, he'd be happy to do it. Everything looked good on the surface. But of course, he never actually went into the vineyard. And our Lord used this as an illustration. He said he was talking to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, the priests of the day, and he said to them that the harlots and the tax collectors are entering the kingdom of God before you, meaning they're in and you are out. What does he mean by that exactly? How can people who are seen to be in grave sin, you know, how can they be fully part of the kingdom of God? You know, it's interesting. He said in this parable, he didn't use the term ex-harlots or ex-tax collectors, these people that were seen to be the worst of sinners in society at the time. Nope. He simply used the word harlots and tax collectors. He wanted this to be, in a way, to be scandalous. So what, what did he mean by this? Well, I think it helps to understand the church's teaching on mortal sin. This has changed over time, or changed by not a good word. A better word would be, this is developed. The church's understanding of mortal sin is developed. So what is mortal sin? So a mortal sin is a very serious, grave sin that is so bad that it separates you from God to the point where, the, you know, if you were to die in that state, you would be separated from him for all eternity. A person of mortal sin is not to be admitted to receive Holy Communion. So, but what is this? What does this mean exactly? Mortal sin. The church's understanding of mortal sin has 
more fully developed over the centuries. So in the Catholic Church, we have this thing called the development of doctrine. That means that, you know, when, when Jesus, before he left, he said that he was giving the church the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would guide the church into all truth. Meaning that, you know, all these beautiful teachings that the Lord gave to us, he gave them to us in their fullness, but sometimes it takes a while to kind of tease out these meanings, to, to fully understand what this means, to kind of define these things, to put them into words. This is to better understand what Jesus was teaching all along. And so over the centuries, there's been various doctrines that have developed to a better understanding, who the Holy Spirit is, the Trinity, the two natures of Christ, and, and various other things. Well, one of those doctrines that have developed over time is the church's teaching on mortal sin. How has this developed? Well, if you were a, a good Catholic that you lived, you know, about 500 years ago, your understanding of mortal sin would be a little different, less developed than what we have today. According to the Council of Trent, the Council of Trent was this gathering of bishops that took place back in the 1500s. The church declared, you can read in the Catechism of the Council of Trent, this is like this teaching book that summarized all the church's teachings together. It's called the Catechism. It was published in 1566. And this is what it says that a mortal sin is. Sacrilege, murder, illicit intercourse, perjury, high-value theft, robbery, persistent drunkenness, persistent anger or slander. So anything that would be seen as just this very serious, very grave sin would have been understood to be mortal, separating you from God. So uh, St. Mark Ji Tingzhuang's priest, who continued to refuse him, receiving the sacraments, did this under this understanding that St. Mark, Ji uh, Tingzhuang, was in the state of mortal sin. That his sin was very grave, very serious, therefore he couldn't be admitted to the sacraments. He was an addict. Why would you admit an addict to the sacraments? If, if you listen to a lot of old Catholic homilies, you hear the priest kind of just make these blanket statements, oh, that's a mortal sin, and this is a mortal sin. However, so this is kind of this, this older understanding of mortal sin. Over the last, especially the last couple hundred years, the church's understanding of this has developed, meaning it has advanced. It's come to a better, more clear understanding. And so we see this, for example, in the Catechism of Pope Pius X. So in 1908, he wrote this uh, short summary of the Catholic Church's teaching. It's known as the Catechism of Pope Pius X. Now we would know him as Saint Pius X. And what he wrote in his catechism was developed uh, far more than what it was during the Council of Trent back in 1566. In 1908, Pope Pius X wrote that mortal sin is not only something very grave and serious, but in addition to that, it also requires that a person has knowledge. They fully understand the gravity of this. They fully understand that this is wrong, and the person has freedom full freedom to do this. And that needs all three of these are required for a sin to be mortal. Gravity, knowledge, and freedom. So in the case of uh, St. Mark Ji Teng Zhuang, this was a grave thing, a- a- addiction, okay? And he had knowledge that this was, a, this was a grave thing, but his freedom 
he was not fully free. You know the way that an addict works? So addiction, it changes uh, how your mind thinks. It also changes you physically, uh, your impulses. There's lots of different things. And so St. Mark, Ji Teng Zhuang, was not fully free. He would love to be able to give up his, his opioid addiction. But he, he, you know, he, 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 he tried lots and lots of times, but he wasn't fully free. He was an addict. Because he wasn't fully free, this means that his culpability was mitigated. His responsibility was less because of this addiction that he was suffering from. If that's the case, then St. Mark, Ji uh, Teng Zhuang, was not in mortal sin. Therefore, he could receive the sacraments. And the church has kind of put their stamp of approval on his life by declaring him to be a saint of the church, a man who died with this ongoing addiction that he was never able to fully recover from, at least not in this life. So this is how the church's understanding of mortal sin, of who can be admitted to the sacraments, has developed over time. Pope Francis has been teaching us about this. So what the recent thing was about, can a divorced and remarried person receive Holy Communion? So the Pope would say, under certain circumstances, yes. So, and this comes back to this teaching on mortal sin. And there's a developed understanding of this. What does this look like? Okay, so here we have a woman. She gets married. It's a, it's a sacramental marriage. It's a church marriage. It's valid. Listen, good, good marriage, okay? She gets divorced. Uh, and she's not really a faithful Catholic. She doesn't, you know, she, so she, at, this, at this time, she, she goes and she enters into a new union of some sort, you know, not one that the, it's not a church marriage. It's not something the church understands to be valid. In the eyes of God, the church understands her still being married to this first person under Jesus' teaching on marriage. So here she is. She's entered into this second union. She has children in this second union, uh, but then something begins stirring in her heart. The Lord begins working on her, drawing her to himself. And her, her faith, you know, starts to grow and starts to develop and starts to mature. And here she is, she's a Catholic. She's starting to come back to Mass and she wants to come back to the sacraments. But she's in this pretty difficult situation. So she's in this non-sacramental kind of new union, you know, with this man. There's, there's intimacy of that, of course, there. Uh, and this intimacy is taking place outside of what the church understands to be a sacrament of marriage. Uh, however, if she just like stops, says refuses her husband, and 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 you know, that intimacy ceases, it's going to cause all sorts of problems and issues, you know, for that relationship, for the kids. There's finances involved. There's all these things, and so for this woman, she is not fully free. She can't simply up and leave this. You know, she's kind of stuck in this situation. Uh, and yet she longs for the sacraments. So Pope Francis would say that she is not in the state. He's clarified this in his magisterial, ordinary teaching authority, that this woman is not, therefore, in the state of mortal sin, because although this is a grave matter, and she's beginning to understand the seriousness of this, she's not fully free because of the situation that she's in. Because she's not fully free, all these other mitigating circumstances, uh, therefore it's not mortal sin. Therefore, she can come and she can receive holy communion in this state. 
So this is the church's understanding how this doctrine of mortal sin has developed over the years, this fuller understanding of the church's teaching when it comes to who can be admitted to Holy Communion. And really, the church's understanding of mercy and what this means in reaching out and working with sinners in difficult situations. So, when Jesus said that uh, harlots and tax collectors are coming into the kingdom of God before you, what did he mean by that? Okay, so here we have these, these pretty bad sinners who probably still have a lot of issues that are coming in. They're being allowed to be part of the kingdom of God. Maybe they got addictions, all sorts of things. They're kind of like his other disciples. Remember what his disciples did? You know, they did things like didn't have faith in him. They betrayed him. They, they, they left him. They, they were judgmental at times. You know, they're, they're, these harlots and tax collectors are very much, very similar to that. Uh, and and, and his, the disciples, you know, maybe they don't have this, this fullness of knowledge. You know, uh, you know, we think about what, what's today. What, who are the... Who are the harlots and the tax collectors? Those on the, on the outskirts, those on the fringes, those that get a lot of pushback, especially in the church world today. You know, I think of uh, folks like uh, those who identify as homosexuals, as bisexuals, as you know, transgender. It's kind of the big issue today in our world. Uh, so, you know, these folks, are they coming into, what does Jesus mean when he says they're coming into the kingdom of God before us? You know, they, they love Jesus, they're, they're following him, Maybe they don't fully understand the church's teachings when it comes to marriage and sexuality. Maybe they have certain addictions and habits that they're dealing with. But can they, working through, can they be fully part of the church even in this state? What does he mean when he says that they're entering the kingdom of God before you? I think this is what it means. Uh, So there's another parable that he told, Jesus told, about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And he said that the Pharisee, they both went into the temple to pray, and the Pharisee got up there and he stood and he says, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like all those terrible sinners out there. I'm especially glad that I'm not like that tax collector right there. You know, the tax collector is seen as, of course, one of the the wicked people of society. But the tax collector, you know, he just kind of beat his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, who was justified before God? Was it that wicked, evil tax collector or was it that Pharisee? He says it was the tax collector. He's like, that Pharisee was not justified before God uh, because of, uh, he was rashly judging this tax collector. He doesn't know the tax collector's heart. He doesn't know how much freedom he has. He doesn't know how much knowledge he has. All he has is this outward understanding of him. And so the Pharisee is making this rash judgment uh, I would say this is, in Jesus' understanding, this is a grave matter. He's doing this freely, and he's doing this knowingly. So from our Lord's perspective, in telling this parable, that Pharisee is the one in mortal sin. That Pharisee is the one who is not, in the words of our Lord, justified before God. It was that Pharisee, that one who was making these rash judgments, who was actually outside of the kingdom, And the one that appeared to be like a wicked sinner, the tax collector, who was inside the kingdom 
in the eyes of the Lord. And so this is what I believe that our Lord was talking about when he said that the harlots and the tax collectors are entering the kingdom of God before you. So if we're out here judging, oh, look at those people, they're living in this state of grave sin and da-da-da, they shouldn't be coming here. Why are they here receiving Holy Communion? What in the world? You know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, by doing that, we're placing ourselves kind of like that Pharisee outside the kingdom. And those others that we see, that we think we're judging them to be in the state of mortal sin, but really, we, how can you judge another person to be in the state of mortal sin? You can see the outward gravity. You know, you can see if something's grave or not from the outside, but you can't see the person's heart. You can't see how much freedom they have in doing this, their addictions, their habits. You can't see how much knowledge or understanding they have of the church's teaching. You can't do any of those things. But what you can do by uh, rashly judging them is to place yourself outside of, of the church, to, place, to separate yourself from the Lord. This is what our Lord was talking about when he said that the um, harlots and the tax collectors are entering the kingdom of God before you. So, this is the church's understanding of kind of how this uh, mortal sin, our understanding of mortal sin, has developed over the centuries. This is why Saint Mark Ji Tang Zhuang was able to. Uh, you know, be declared as a saint, a guy who died as an addict, never fully got free. And so I would encourage you, you know, as you're considering this, as you're kind of moving through this world, to uh, ask and really make a decision about which group do you want to be with of these two groups our Lord has mentioned. Now, I would recommend that you choose to be with the harlots and the tax collectors to be with those who are, you know, uh, you know, coming in, who are longing after our Lord. Maybe they don't have everything together. They got their addictions and issues and things, but, they, but they're following our Lord. They're there with him. Choose that group. And yeah, you'll get criticized and people will make all sorts of rash judgments about you, trying to change the church's teachings and all sorts of all, all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you'll take a lot of criticism. Uh, but this is what our Lord uh, teaches us this way of, of mercy. This is what he means by this. Uh, take courage. Be part of that group. Be with the harlots and be with the tax collectors that are you know, coming into the church, uh, even with all their issues and things. The Lord will work through all those. The Lord will take care of all that. Don't worry about that. But be part of that group. That God may be glorified. Amen.